conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. All right, let's turn our focus now to the humanitarian situation that is unfolding in northern Ethiopia. It continues to be alarming amid unconfirmed reports of growing displacement after a resumption of fighting ended a months-long ceasefire. A five-month lull was swiftly interrupted when warfare between Ethiopian government forces and fighters loyal to the Tigray People's Liberation Front resumed always a week ago, raising alarm among humanitarian actors. The situation further exacerbated by the worst drought in 40 years in some parts of the country, with the risk of flooding in others. Show and Bryce Peace reports. Complicating matters further, the theft of over 500,000 litres of fuel from a World Food Programme depot in the Tigrayan region will make it impossible to continue operations that support millions of hungry people, as the agency warns that it has become impossible to distribute food, fertiliser and other emergency supplies across the region. The Secretary General spokesperson, Stefan Dujeric. Deliveries of humanitarian supplies by road into Tigray have been suspended since last week on August 24th. Similarly, uh, the UN's aviation service, the humanitarian air service, uh, has been unable to fly in and out of Tigray since September 25th, halting the transport of operational cash as well as rotation of humanitarian workers. We, along with our NGO partners, continue to provide humanitarian aid to the affected people as security allows. In Tigray, humanitarian partners have resumed distribution of food and other vital humanitarian supplies. Ethiopia's government late last week indicated that it would take action targeting military forces that are the source of what it called anti-peace sentiment within the Tigray People's Liberation Front, warning people of the region to stay clear of military equipment and military training facilities amid reports of airstrikes in the Tigrayan capital, Mekele. This, as the International Commission of Human Rights Experts for Ethiopia issued a statement expressing outrage over renewed hostilities, cautioning that such fighting exacerbated the hardships of civilians with the risk of a further expansion of the almost two-year conflict. Our colleagues are telling us that the humanitarian situation in northern Ethiopia continues to be alarming. There are unconfirmed reports of displacements in frontline areas in Amhara and the Afar regions. In Amhara, a curfew was imposed in Debark, in Desi, and in Waldia uh, from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. This is impacting the movements of civilians, access to medical emergency services, and of course, commercial services. UNICEF, the UN Children's Fund, also strongly condemned an airstrike in Mekele that hit a kindergarten killing seven children and injuring others, with the UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres calling for the creation of conditions to restart an effective political dialogue. We, of course, renew our call on the parties to the conflict to immediately facilitate the resumption of rapid and unimpeded passage of humanitarian workers and supplies into all of northern Ethiopia in accordance with international humanitarian law. The African Union Commission chairperson, Musa Faki Mahamat, also called on the parties to engage with the AU High Representative for the Horn of Africa, former Nigerian President Olusegunob Basanyo, towards a consensual political process in the interests of the country. I'm Sherman Bryce Pease in New York. 
All right. So then staying with that situation out of um, Ethiopia, let me go to Temisa Fakude, who is a senior research fellow and director for Africa-Asia Dialogues. Uh, Mr. Fakude, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Good morning and thanks for having me. Look, I mean, we, we are seeing what is really a, a roller coaster in as far as the on and off again conflict in the Ethiopia Tigray region. What is your understanding of why we go through these various cycles? Well, the latest complicator is the entrant of the Eritreans. Um, who've always been part, who've always been part and parcel of this conflict, but they've not been that visible. But now we see them being more visible. They are accused now of being responsible for the latest uh, bombing in Makela, which is the the the, the headquarter where the headquarters of TPLF is situated. So that's a situation. But it's also important for us to remember how this war started and why we find ourselves in this position. Basically, you had the deep state, which was by and large led by TPLF. Uh, and when Abiy Ahmad came into power in 2018, promising that he was going to clean up the government and go against those that were corrupt, similar to what we see in South Africa, then they started retreating to, um, to, to the north. And that's, that, that's how they, the, the conflict started, basically trying to prevent Abiy Ahmed from um, taking them into account and, 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 and leading them to to cause in Ethiopia for violations against human rights, as you know, and corruption. So that's, that, that's, the, origin, that's, that's the origin of this conflict. And it's important for us to remember uh, as we continue discussing what's happening uh, in Ethiopia, because lots uh, get missed, uh, with, particularly as the war intensified over the past three years. Mm. What we're seeing, of course, is uh, an incredible humanitarian fallout. Um, as a re- as a result of this conflict, and again, often as we see the escalation of fighting, it seems to automatically result in some instances in either closure of borders, closure of major routes that result in uh, people not being able to access either food or aid. That's humanitarian aid for some time. Now that's true, and there's three reasons mainly: Sahara. Uh, region and Afar region uh, and the Tigray, those are the main regions that are impacted. And one would have thought that the intervention of the UN and other uh, agencies, multilateral agencies, would have ensured that at least there's a free passage of um, aid and food. Uh, but what we see happening now, we are seeing all of these multiple groupings uh, within these regions also playing a role in impeding the free movement of aid uh, and food. Uh, Abiy Ahmed had promised in the past that uh, they were going to continue allowing the, 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 the free flow of food, particularly to Afar region and Tigray, because not all the Tigrayans are supporters of TPLF. Uh, there are a lot of Tigrayans who support the government. So this collective punishment, you're also, by the way, punishing your own supporters. But uh, since, um, since, since the beginning of this month, at least, we've seen... Uh, the repeat of what happened in 20, in, in just after 2020, uh, when when this this conflict uh, started in earnest, after the the TPLF decided to declare those elections as a legitimate election, notwithstanding that the the, the national government had um, had not recognised elections as legitimate. 
When it comes to matters of governance and this ongoing conflict, you mentioned the role of uh, organizations like the United Nations. There, of course, have been other attempts from some of the regional bodies to uh, foster a, a solution here, but all of those have, have failed. Why do you think that is, Tembisa? Well, there, there are a number of reasons, but Ethiopia in particular, I mean, you must remember that the headquarters of the AU is in Ethiopia, not the suburb. And uh, I think to an extent, notwithstanding who, who, who started this war, and I, I maintain that the TPLF did state uh, are guilty in this regard, there is a an element of reluctance, particularly by the member states of the AU, to put pressure on, on Adi Ahmed to... Um, you know, at least continue with the negotiations that will lead eventually to some sort of political stability. So that's that's one specific reason why Ethiopia found itself in this situation. There is a hesitation uh, by the AU to put pressure, and the reason why they don't want to put pressure is because they are basically hosted by uh, by Abiy Ahmed. But the danger is this could easily spill over into in, into Addis Ababa, and if that does happen, you are going to have all these diplomats that are based there at the moment from various countries also impacted by this war. So it's, it's very important that we, we, we have some uh, intervention with immediate effect. But I think the other reason as well is that, you know, Africans have, have tended to somehow in inverted commas respect the independence of, of all the states and they don't want to set a, a precedence because, you know, there's already a precedence of this impunity where the countries will continue oppressing its own people, killing its own people, and the interventions are often very slow, if at all. And um, now um, it, we are facing with the same. We're faced with the same challenge where Ethiopia can as well turn and say, "You are quick to come, uh, putting pressure on me." But we have situations in Rwanda, we have situation in in, 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 in Sudan, we have situation in Uganda where there is a continual uh, killing of people, including DRC. There are much more. Uh, fierce uh, battles taking place there. Of course, they're not in the media, but uh, there are a lot of uh, conflicts at the moment in in, in Africa, and uh, the African countries and the AU have shown a little interest in, in, in terms of ensuring that they, they sort out those problems. What do we know about the secret meetings that have reportedly um, been taking place between a, a committee or delegation um, sent by the Prime Minister Abi Ahmed and um, some senior officials of the TPLF. Well, there have been these secret meetings since the war started, but you also need to remember that Abi Ahmed did disempower uh, TPLF. Well, TPLF used to be part of the Ethiopian People's Revolutionary Democratic Front, which was a coalition of all tribes tribal-based organization in Pretoria. And TPLF was one of the most influential uh, political parties within that coalition. And in 2019, Abiy Ahmed decided to dissolve the coalition and form his own party called the Prosperity Party. And that has created a problem and sidelined TPLF. So he had um, friends and and, and people who could communicate with within the TPLF, but most of them were like third or or second-tier leadership, not the main leaders of TPLF. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've had this negotiation uh, collapsing so many times um, in the past. So the, the, con- the discussion continues, but there are also other players, external players, including um, other Middle Eastern countries who've got interest in the Horn of Africa who are trying to bring some semblance of peace in that country. But I'm not quite sure whether it, it, it will succeed, particularly since that um, 
President Isaias Afroki of of Eritrea has joined the fray much more forcefully this time around. Uh, he will also have to be convinced because the war is now going to be spilling over into uh, into Eritrea, and that will create another uh, challenge for for the for the whole, whole whole region. So you have all of those elements that continue to be impediments towards uh, negotiations and all of these secret mm-hmm. talks that have been taking place have been impacted by these external actors. All right. Tembisa, we're going to continue the conversation in a moment. We're talking to Tembisa Fakude. He is with the Africa-Asia Dialogues. He's a senior research fellow there. Um, Dinawa Mutawung is standing by with your latest news headlines. The Talking Point with Kathimo Sasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point, the situation in Ethiopia, unfortunately deteriorating as fighting uh, has resumed in the Tigray region. And, you know, some publications describing it as a a full scale war that has now blown up in that part of the continent. Tembisa is joining us. He is uh, our guest for this hour. So, Tembisa, when we look at the response by the African Union, which which you touched on a little earlier. Obasanjo, of course, is the individual that is, you know, heading up that envoy. He is seen as the main mediator where this conflict is concerned. Has it been su- successful? Well, it has not been successful. Uh, we're talking now, we're entering, so it started in 2020, so we'll be entering the third year since this conflict started. Uh, and that indicates to me that it has not been successful. The person who, who holds uh, power and the ultimate decision maker in this regard will be uh, Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed, um, who has had working relationships over the years uh, with uh, TPLF. Uh, but we've seen him also digging in his heels in terms of uh, trying to dismantle uh, TPLF because what he's trying to avoid is that if TPLF does actually succeed to secede from Ethiopia proper and from their own stun or country in Tigray, you are likely to have uh, uh, other groupings or tribes within Ethiopia uh, encouraged into uh, cessation and forming their own kind of strongholds. The fact of the matter is that you have a federal government that's supposed to continue uh, running the country. You can't have a state within the state. And uh, this is what we see happening in the Makele uh, Tigray region, where the old generals who used to control the Ethiopian army have suddenly um, went on to form their own country and mm. the intention is to shield themselves from possible persecution because of the um, the violations of human rights that occurred during the tenure as government in Ethiopia. How much more difficult does it become to hold... Um to, to foster peace, especially in, in, in the midst of an escalating conflict. So does the longer this conflict go on for tell us that the more difficult it will be to bring it to an end? I think so. Uh, but we also need, you know, unfortunately, we don't have the likes of Mandela's in this world and the more people who uh, think beyond um, politics. Uh, I was reminded yesterday when Mandela actually went out to fundraise for Clarence Makwetu, who was the leader of the, the PAC because he didn't have money. And Mandela understood that multi-party democracy was key and he was calling on businessmen to help 
Karen's McQuaid and the PAC so that they can continue playing a role in South Africa. And unfortunately, we don't have people as such in, um, in Ethiopia, in another part of Africa, who will look at um, the future of the, of the continent beyond the politics, that people of the continent need stability, they want children want to go to school and uh, want to have access to free education, and people want to have access to education, etc. And what we see at the moment is, you know, this scotch S mentality, winner takes all. Uh, and it's unfortunate that the Nobel Prize laureate, uh, in, uh, Abiy Ahmed, you would have expected that he would have taken a much more different posture in this regard, but he himself is dug in his heels and he was leading the war, if you remember, some couple of months ago. He was seen in the forefront leading the Ethiopian uh, Defence Force into uh, Tigray uh, to confront the TPLF uh, fighters. So it's very unfortunate and I, I don't see any end on sight uh, until we can have someone who's much more uh, you know, emasculated and empowered more than uh, Olofegon Obasanjo at the moment, who basically is sponsored by the AU and his country, but I don't think they have that much will and support uh, and strength to convince Abiy Ahmed to, uh, to do otherwise. Of course, in the meantime, that means that um, millions of Tigrayans are still at risk of hunger, their lives also consistently um, coming under threat. What do we know about the the figures so far? I mean, do we have a sense of uh, just how many people have been killed in this conflict? Well, the main source of figures at the moment, which are totally um, outdated, is the UN and other um, uh, human rights organizations in in, uh, in Ethiopia. But the challenge is, of course, that it's not easy to access a particular region such as Afar and Amhara to find out exactly what has happened. All we know is that millions of people have been displaced and, and millions of people in, in, in various parts of Ethiopia have been killed uh, by it because of, of, of this war. The, the, the challenge, of course, is that in, in cities such as Addis Ababa, where you've got this multicultural, multi tribal coexistence, it is likely that we're going to see this war now spilling over into into Addis Ababa and other cities in Ethiopia. And if that does happen, uh, then you're going to have a threat of um, diplomats who are currently residing in Ethiopia because of the proximity to the AU also impacted. So it's difficult to give numbers, but we know for sure that uh, we've had uh, cities and some of the villages bent down because of this coach uh, mentality by both, by the way, the uh, Ethiopian uh, Defence Force and uh, and the Tigrayan fighters who are now joined by others from Afara and Amhara. So it's difficult to say exactly what numbers are, given that it's, it's not easy to access these areas to come up with, uh, with, 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 with numbers. But suffice to say that it's been, at least according to the United Nations, over 2 million people have been displaced uh, and hundreds of thousands uh, remain uh, uh, displaced internally in their regions. Do you think that there's enough of a collective effort from these bodies, whether it's the regional organizations or the UN, to get involved and bring this conflict to an end? And and part of the reason why I say this is because often when conflicts happen, if there are no clear um, international interests in those conflicts, then they almost are allowed to continue for as long as possible, regardless of the scale of the impact on on ordinary lives. And that's people that are being killed. That's people that are being affected, etc. Well, there is interest, uh, but I, I think what is making many of these 
external uh, uh, players, and including the United Nations, to be dragging its feet in this regard. As you must remember, Ethiopia is a landlocked country, notwithstanding its size and the fact that it's bordered in so many countries. But it's landlocked. Um, one of the main importance of Ethiopia is the headquarters of the AU. But Ethiopia depends largely for its uh, airport, I mean, for its uh, sea access uh, on Eritrea. So you've got Djibouti, Somalia, Ethiopia, and um, and, 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 and Eritrea, uh, who are part of the Horn of Africa. But because Ethiopia is landlocked and is dependent on, on these countries, uh, you, you don't see the rush, particularly from uh, Western countries. Because at the moment, the most important um, route from east to west is via, you know, Double Manda uh, to the Red Sea and into the Indian Ocean, Suez and to the Mediterranean. And if you look at all those countries that are bordering that uh, very important routing, uh, Ethiopia is, doesn't play an important role since it gave up its control of the ports to Eritrea after the negotiation. So it's not that important. However, it is the most uh, powerful, it has got the most powerful army in the region, and it's been called upon now and then to play a role, particularly in fighting Al-Shabaab in Somalia. Uh, and it, it's been key in terms of stabilizing the region because of their military power. But um, in terms of business and economics, um, the, the, the three countries that are key is Somalia, Eritrea, and Djibouti. Somalia, of course, there's hardly any government functioning on the coastline, but uh, Djibouti and Eritrea is suddenly invited the presence of the Emiratis and the Qataris there, so they're controlling the ports. And for them, it's business as usual, and they're not impacted that much. And I think that's why you don't see that agency uh, in terms of trying to solve this problem. It's an internal uh, problem of a landlocked country that really does not impact uh, on the movement of goods and services on the Red Sea. All right. Tembisa Fogude, Senior Research Fellow and Director at Africa Asia Dialogues. Let me thank you uh, for your time this morning coming on to the show.